0: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
1: Joe and Amber with actual Joe and Amber tonight. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. Your Philadelphia 76ers, Joe. They've been quiet of late. I thought they were supposed to trade this James Harden guy. He wanted out. Then he opted in. He gave them the power. Then it was, okay, well, they're now going to trade him because he opts in and he wants out, but it had been so quiet that the narrative sort of shifted. Are they going to play him? Is he going to be a member of the 76ers this season? The general manager of the Sixers, Daryl Morey, was on 97.5, the Fanatic, in Philly, and he confirmed that Harden does, in fact, still want out.
2: James is a very good player. Right now, unfortunately, he does prefer to be somewhere else. I do have a long relationship with him. I'm attempting to honor that. But the reality is, if we do look at a trade, it's going to be for one of two things. It's either going to be for a player who continues to help us be right there like we were last year, or we're going to do it for something where we get enough draft picks and things like that in a deal such that we can then turn those into a player who can be a running mate with joel as well but if we don't get either a very good player or something that we can turn into a very good player then we're just not going to do it and if james were to turn his mind around we would all be thrilled you heard joel's comments about that but at this moment he does prefer to be traded and we're attempting to honor that
1: What do you make of those comments from Daryl Morey? Because that's the most confirmation that we have received recently, anyways, that James Harden does, in fact, still want out. Here's
3: what I make of them. I don't care. I want them to stop talking. I don't want to hear another thing about the 76ers until the season starts. And I'm a Philadelphia fan, and I'm speaking only for myself, but I'm trying to focus on the Phillies, and I'm trying to get ready for Eagles season. I am tired of this team and all its talk. Talk, talk, talk 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 it's all it is there's no action there's no backing it up there's no shutting the mouths and gutting it out it is all talk it's always talk about a process or it's talk about a next step or it's talk about a new big three or we're not getting along with ben simmons we're really excited about james harden we've got this we're looking at that things are going to get better we're going to try to improve next year is going to be the year I want to win championships, whether it's here. I I don't care anymore. I don't care. Stop talking. Harden's not going to win you a championship. He wasn't going to win one in Houston. He's not going to win one wherever he goes after this. It's who he is. Great basketball player, going to the Hall of Fame, not a championship guy. For Embiid, figure it out, man. You're the MVP. You got your little award. You went into the postseason. You went MIA in Game 6 and 7 against Boston. And Nikola Jokic went out there and showed everybody – how bad the voters got it wrong this year. Everybody with the way he dominated the postseason. So now Maury's talking, well, you know, we might want to go in this direction. We might want to go in that direction. Don't care. Don't want to hear it anymore. Tired of it. I'll see you at the starting line when you guys jump out five and two and we start figuring out where you're going to finish in the East. Probably a three or four seed, winning the first round at best, losing the second round at worst, like usual. And then we'll just be back having these conversations again. I can't take it anymore. I'm sorry for, for unloading on you like that. It's just, it's, it's the same thing. It's a carousel that never ends. A carousel of hell with this team going around every year. Same thing. I'm glad they're they're trying to build for the future. And I'm really glad Joel said the other day that he wants to win a championship. That means the world to me. All of us are so thrilled to hear he wants to win a title.
1: This is a safe space. You can vent all of your 76ers frustration right here amongst friends. I understand why you're so frustrated with that organization. And you said James Harden's not going to win them a championship. James Harden doesn't even want to win them a championship. That's the reality of the situation. He wants out. He opted in to get that money. Daryl Morey sounded like a man who isn't willing to trade away James Harden for anything reasonable. We've seen this from Daryl Morey before, though. He has proven that he's Undyingly patient when it comes to making these sorts of trades. He will even let a, a player sit out for an entire season, like we saw with Ben Simmons, before he'll trade him away for Peanuts. So, Daryl Morey, certainly an incredibly patient general manager. I think this situation with James Harden is a little bit different. I think it's a, a little bit more fodder there from Morey, even though we have seen him have that level of patience in the past because of the relationship, and he referenced it there, the relationship between Maury and between James Harden. It's fairly inconceivable that if those guys still have a very good relationship, and you heard Maury say in that clip that they're still close, that then Maury is going to not honor his wishes and trade him away, and if the asking price is too high, no one's paying that for James Harden. It feels like James Harden's on the back end of his career, even though I think James Harden's only 33 years old, but that's where we are with James Harden and the way he plays. He can be a big contributor to its team, but he's not going to be the answer there in Philly. He's already proven he's not the answer there in Philly. So if I'm Philly, I'm also looking to trade away that asset not just because he wants out, but because something has to change. And the danger if you're the 76ers is that you're going to end up losing Joel Embiid in the process. You've already lost James Harden. He wants out, but that you're going to lose Joel Embiid from a mental perspective. Joe just referenced Joel Embiid said he wants to win a championship, but he didn't just say he wants to win a championship in Philly. So that's interesting. Here is the 76ers center.
0: I just want to win a championship, um, you know, whatever it takes. I don't know where that's going to be, whether it's in Philly or, you know, anywhere else, you know, I just want to have a chance uh, to accomplish that. I want to see what it feels like to win that first one and then you can think about, you know, the next one. Uh, you know, it's not easy.
1: The what
3: more words. do you need? What more does he need? He could have been the guy that took over at the end of game six. He chose not to. And then afterwards, all he could say to the media was that no one would get him the basketball over the final four minutes of the game. What, what, what MVP on earth, what alpha on earth, what superstar on earth just goes four minutes without touching the basketball essentially and then blames everyone else for it? He's the guy that's supposed to drive the dagger into the coffin. Since this process started, over the last six years where they've been trying to win, six straight years in the playoffs, 14 of the 30 NBA teams have been to the conference finals. They are not one of those teams. So this whole, I want to play for a championship, go beat the Celtics. Yeah, you, you scored three points over the final four and a half minutes of game six. And then in game seven, with a chance to take them out, Tatum drops a 50 burger because that's what a real superstar does in a crucial spot. And he buries you guys once again. I mean, every year it's something it's Simmons, it's Butler, it's, 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 uh, you know, whatever it was, James Harden guys are not stepping up. I just want to see Tyrese Maxey. That's the guy I'm focused on Tyrese Maxey take over next year. Do you, you're the kid we're all going to get behind.
1: You, you have a lot of points there about Joel Embiid, but if you don't have Joel Embiid on that 76ers team, they definitely win a championship. So you can't lose that guy. Wouldn't and be what any interesting... different than any
3: other year, Amber. Wouldn't be any different than any other year.
1: Well, what's interesting about what he said, though, was the key word was, or anywhere else, right? I want to win a championship in Philly or anywhere else. It means that he's thinking about anywhere else in addition to Philly because for whatever reason, and you're right, I agree with you. He has been given pieces over the tenure of his NBA run here, but he has not been able to get out of the second round. So something has to change surrounding him in Philly. Daryl Morey, the Sixers GM, again, on ninety-seven point seven or 97.5, the Fanatic, rather. He was asked about that comment from Joel Embiid.
2: He and I spoke, look, part of it's just at the end of the day, he's talking about the business of the NBA. In his mind, he wants to win here. He wants to win it for Philly. That's the only place he wants to win. He absolutely was sort of referencing the fact that it's not totally in his control where he is at all times.
1: Uh, that's a bunch of damage control there from Daryl Morey yeah, because Colin feed was not referencing just the business of the NBA. He was quite literally sending a message to the 76ers that I want to win a championship in my career, and if that ain't going to happen here, I'm out. What more do you want?
3: What is it you want? What is it that he has not been getting in Philadelphia that he needs to go win a title? Nikola Jokic just went out and won a title. Jamal Murray's a good player around him. Aaron Gordon's a good player around him. They got Michael Porter Jr. and some other pieces. Like, what what has he not had that is just so soul-crushing to him? Damian Lillard has a legitimate gripe for the way his career has gone in Portland. They haven't done a great job of surrounding him with talent. What is the problem in Philadelphia? What's Coaching. the problem?
1: Coaching. Coaching. It's
3: every, It's everyone else's problem. And when Embiid could have been the guy to close it out in game six, he didn't do it. It was everyone else's fault that he didn't get the ball. And now he wants to win a title. Big surprise there uh, in Philly or somewhere else. Okay, great. Where are you going to go where the situation is going to be better? It's not like it's been perfect in Philly, but they've put talent around you. There have been guys there that can win. You've had situations where at the very least you could have gotten to the conference finals and every single time you came up short. It's not just you, it's everybody. It's an institutional thing in Philadelphia. But the idea that like you haven't been given anything, Lillard wasn't given anything. You've had plenty over the years and you haven't even gotten to the conference finals. Something that over the last six years... 14 of the 30 NBA teams have been able to accomplish.
1: Yeah, at some point the excuses run thin when you are quite literally the reigning MVP of the league. So it is on your shoulders and squarely on your shoulders to get out of the second round that's the ask from 76ers fans that's why joe fortenbaugh is so frustrated just get out of the second round that's all the joe fortenbaugh's of the world are asking you to do but apparently too big of an ask because they have not been able to do that at all during Joel and Bede's career we'll see if this season now with nick nurse at the helm is any different coming up next here on joe and Amber kirby smarts message to anyone who thinks georgia football has a cupcake schedule we'll get to that espn radio is also on the espn app
0: is the joe and amber podcast
1: hopefully we're not being too loud here on joe and amber joe and amber back together shockingly on joe and amber joe and amber on joe and amber it's such a concept at amber Sports, that's how you find me on social at joe fortenbaugh that is how you find him espn radio is presented to you by progressive insurance it is sec media days this week so we're hearing from all of the sec coaches we got sound from kirby smart today joe and Georgia's schedule this season looks like this. They start things off with UAB. They play Auburn, Kentucky, Vandy, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. I don't know if you're seeing a theme when I just ran through all those schools so quickly, but the theme here, kids, is it ain't hard and in fact in terms of strength of schedule ranking all of the sec teams georgia's strength of schedule comes in dead last by most parameters so that's the conversation right now around georgia one that kirby smart is taking issue with here is the head coach of the georgia bulldogs
2: <laughs> and come play it i mean i would love to invite any team in the country who wants to play in the sec come 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 right ahead you know and um and I, I don't get into comparisons year to year, but I'm, I'm a big believer in opening with a, a, a great game, a great kickoff game. We've done that repeatedly. We've scheduled that out. I think we got UCLA, Ohio State, FSU, Louisville, all in coming years.
1: Um, Clemson next year, uh, we had Oregon. And um, we had Clemson before that. So a lot of things I can control. I don't control the narrative that people create outside of our building. I'm laughing because he's literally referencing games that aren't even happening this season. Let's talk about what's happening in 2027, kids, with some of these other schools that are coming in in order to defend his schedule.
3: I would love to see them play a more robust schedule, a more challenging schedule, but I'm also not going to knock this iteration of it. He's right. He plays in the SEC. Last year, they opened with Oregon. They took on a big shot early in the season. That's a big game. There are a lot of teams that are unwilling to do that. The year before that, they opened with Clemson. That's a monster showdown. The year before that, it was COVID, so they were only playing the SEC. And the year before that, they had Notre Dame on the schedule. So they have gone out of conference in recent years, and they have scheduled big-name teams. If anyone wants to take exception to teams who are dodging people, it's Michigan. Michigan's the team that sets up the softest out-of-conference schedule year in and year out to put themselves in a favorable position. And you know what? Can you really blame them? First off, they schedule these things far in advance. So you don't really know where you're going to be by the time some of this shows up. But second of all, if you are a brand name, legitimate championship contender, of which there are four, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan, why would you want to schedule tough out-of-conference competition? You have the brand recognition. The committee loves you. You can get in with one loss. Why would you take the risk of losing two games? Georgia doesn't need to wow anyone with this schedule. If they lose one game and say it's the SEC championship game, so what? They're in the final four. So I can see why Kirby doesn't want to necessarily hear this. I I would love to see big games from all these teams early in the season just because I'm a fan of it but I'm not going to get on him for this because you know what? He's had tougher schedules in the past.
1: Kirby doesn't want to hear it though, because he doesn't want the committee to hear it. That's the reality of the situation. He doesn't want this narrative existing that Georgia has an easy schedule because it will be in the minds of everybody. And it will be on the minds of the committee members as well. If they and do in fact suffer a loss, and that will be a problem for Georgia as we head towards a postseason. However, this is an easy schedule. Like the two things can exist. It can be smart for them to have an easy schedule that you just can't lose those games, but also you can admit that it is an easier schedule because it is an easier schedule than most. They do open the season against UT Martin. They then play ball state. They take on South Carolina. Then they've got UAB. I had even failed to reference some of the games on their schedule. So, it's not like they're headed into the season amongst the juggernauts. You referenced, yes, they played a real game to enter the season last season. Maybe not so much this season. I get it. I'm a Florida Gators fan. The Gators have the toughest strength of schedule by most parameters in the entire SEC. Oh, my SEC. God, is your
3: schedule brutal? It is a bloodbath.
1: <laughs> we ain't got no shot. Billy Napier, I am sorry, dude, and it is terrible. And do I wish that we had this Georgia Bulldogs schedule? 100%. Do I wish we were opening the season like we always used to against cupcake teams? 100%. So I would love to have this narrative surrounding the Gators that their strength of schedule is too easy or that their schedule is a cakewalk. Give it to me. I'd much rather have that than what I actually have.
3: You opened the season at Utah, which nope. you took out Utah last year, but Whittingham's program is always solid. It's at home. It's at altitude. That's going to be a tough game. Two weeks later, you got Tennessee. All right? You're going to be mm-hmm. at Kentucky, at South Carolina, who's on the rise, neutral site game, cocktail party against Georgia. You're at LSU at missouri and then you host florida state to end the season and by the way (laughs) florida state's not a punching bag anymore they won 10 games last season like the seminoles are legit they're an outside threat to get into the playoff if they can navigate the acc that i believe they have to go to clemson and that's going to be the marquee showdown plus they open the season and again For everyone who wants to talk about scheduling and where Georgia is, take a look at Florida State. They lose that first game of the year. It's in Orlando against LSU. Somebody has to lose that game. If the Seminoles lose that game and then they lose at Clemson, that's it. Your dreams are gone. You are not going to the playoff.
1: Yes. I I mean, losing early normally is the move if you're going to lose during the season. But you're right. If you're losing too early and that's the way you open the season – then your dreams are over probably of making any sort of postseason. But you heard Kirby Smart reference Florida State when he was trying to excuse away the schedule this season by referencing things that are coming up down the road, which, again, I thought was hilarious. But he said, oh, we scheduled Florida State in the future. Not this season, by the way. But, you know, down the road, that Florida State team. So even Kirby, though, giving you some idea of where Florida State is headed and where I think other coaches around college football think Florida State is headed right now on the right track.
3: I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead.
3: I was going to say, we're going to be in a much better situation because once we expand the playoff, you'll be able to lose a couple games during the regular season. So give us the big games early in the year.
1: It is something that is going to be talked about all season long with Georgia. The strength of schedule. If they don't lose, it doesn't actually end up mattering. ESPN Radio is on the ESPN app. We continue next.
0: This is the Joe and Amber podcast. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber.
1: Big perk, ESPN NBA analyst Kendrick Perkins. He was on NBA today and he said that the Milwaukee Bucks are still the favorites in the East and this is no matter what happens in the landscape of the East in terms of trades, take a listen.
0: I will not come on here and disrespect the heat culture, air exposure and Jimmy Butler, but I will say this. They're not the favorites, nor would I have them the favorite even if they picked up Damian Lillard. The Milwaukee Bucks, the way that they're currently constructed, we know what Giannis is gonna bring to the table and let's be honest. Right, Part of being able to get to the finals and win the championship, you have to be lucky with health. And we know that Giannis Antetokounmpo, he missed a few games in that series. And even when he came back, he still wasn't 70% healthy. So now you look at Chris Middleton. He finally get an offseason. I have everything invested into the Milwaukee Bucks this upcoming season for us representing the Eastern Conference. I don't want to disrespect the Miami Heat. But even if they get Damian Lillard and they was to face this Milwaukee Bucks team again, I'm picking Milwaukee in the series, (laughs) and I'm picking Milwaukee to go on to the NBA Finals and represent the East.
1: Tara is filling in tonight for James Steele. Hello, Tara. Hello. Do you have a question for us?
2: Yeah, my question
1: is, are the Bucks, in fact, the favorites in the Eastern Conference right now? This may surprise people, Joe, but I don't have a huge problem with big perk saying this now. I think it is a little bit disrespectful, so to speak, even though he fell all over himself saying he doesn't want it to be disrespectful for Miami. It's a little (laughs) disrespectful when we consider the fact that the Miami, he decidedly beat the bucks in the postseason, And then, you know, went on rounds later, plural to make an NBA championship run. So there's that. However. The Milwaukee Bucks were the best team in the East through the regular season last season, and they did lock up Middleton. They were able to retain Lopez. They're still going to be a juggernaut in the East. I don't have a huge problem with people still putting them at the top. I'm not going to put them at the top of the Heat get Dame, but I see what Perk is doing.
3: I mean, just from the literal perspective, the Celtics are actually the favorites to win the East. They're two to one. Milwaukee's plus 275. Miami's four to one. So Miami's ahead of the Sixers. They've moved into the top three, which is something they were not in as of last year. And that's before Dame. Right. Correct. And if Dame Lillard comes it down, things could change. I wouldn't worry too much about this. You know, when we're talking about favorites, are we talking in the literal gambling sense? And if we are... This is bookmakers trying to limit their liability with the action, right? They can't they're not just throwing up teams for fun. They got to be careful with what they do or they could get buried, right? And the Miami Heat as the third team in the conference at 4 to 1 makes plenty of sense. It's not meant to be disrespected in any way shape or form. It's just meant to put an accurate representation of where the pricing and where the liability would be. Now, if we're just to rank these teams to say who are the best teams, Milwaukee being number one I get it I think Boston's gonna take a big step forward Joe Missoula as a rookie head coach he made a lot of mistakes last season Chris Taps Porzingis is in that's some big time front court scoring so I'm looking at Boston right now but again it's a nice tight race there's a great case
1: to be made for everybody Bears quarterback Justin Fields he believes that he is already one of the greatest running quarterbacks in NFL history We don't have the sound that we can play for this, but I had to bring this up during Sound On, Sound Off because Field was asked on the All Things Covered podcast to offer his thoughts on the best running quarterbacks that ever played the game. And Field said he has done enough to earn recognition. Here's the quote. I'm definitely in the top five. So who are Field's other four quarterbacks? He named Michael Vick, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, and Steve Young. So he would have Michael Vick. Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, Steve Young, and Justin Fields in his top five running quarterbacks, Joe.
3: I like the confidence. He was a beast on the ground last year, absolutely. It might still be a little early for this sort of thing to actually plan out and be real. There's probably better cases to be made. No mention of Randall Cunningham in there, from what I understand, and Cunningham was a hell of a runner, but I get it. I get where we're going here. Like I said, I like his confidence. I really like the fact that he has Michael Vick in there. I mean, all things... I don't don't know where the official rushing numbers are these days. Lamar Jackson, where he's at versus everyone. But Michael Vick running around in the backfield and then breaking free was one of the most fun things to watch in NFL history. So I'm glad he's high on that list because Vick as a runner was pure electricity.
1: This is so ludicrous to me, and I think Justin Fields is electric. But this is ludicrous to me. Like, this is so incredibly soon for us to be having this conversation about a quarterback that we are simultaneously having a conversation about whether he is even going to be the quarterback after this season and how much unbelievable pressure he has on him this season because he's not the guy from that front from that front office that they brought in and he's not the guy of this coaching staff that anybody chose there with that Bears organization. It has been ripped all the way down to the studs. They are building up. I'm one who believes that Justin Fields will prove himself this season as the face of the franchise moving forward, but I'm not saying he's proving himself as a top five running quarterback or any type of quarterback in NFL history. Like right now, would I even have him in a top five conversation for running quarterbacks in the actual league currently? (laughs) Like Josh Allen, is that a running quarterback? I mean, we're also – we ranking running quarterback, like how is the definition of running quarterbacks being defined? Because that there's a gonna lot of really. That going to be my question. Where yeah.
3: does Fields rank among
1: active running active. quarterbacks? Like there's a lot of very mobile running quarterbacks right now in the league. And yes, it, back in Michael Vick's day, it was a lot more cut and dry. Even Cam Newton's day, like it was a lot more cut and dry. Who was the running quarterback and who wasn't? Now all these damn quarterbacks can run, Joe.
3: Well, let's put it like this. If we really want to structure it, Justin Fields ran for 1,143 yards last year. That was seventh most in the NFL. There wasn't another quarterback who was close. Fields ran for more yards than Christian McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Kenneth Walker, Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris. Najee Harris played 17 games last year and ran for 1,034 yards. Justin Fields outrushed him. So if we're talking does, running quarterbacks in the modern day, the day right now, Fields is near the top of the list. But
1: does that make him the best? I mean, because the rushing, like, is he does better than Lamar best? Jackson? Because he outrushed him this past season? Because, I'm sorry, Justin Fields ain't better than Lamar Jackson yet. Why well, a of running, running
3: quarterback. quarterback, though? Are we just, are we talking about, now, are, when we say better, I would not put him above Lamar, absolutely not. But just from a running standpoint, What do you think there?
1: Well, I don't know. Like, I can sit like Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback. He's a better quarterback than Justin Fields. So if you consider just, if we're just doing it by the rushing numbers, I guess I understand the argument. But if we're talking about just best quarterbacks, that also can run.
3: (laughs) Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So you're putting quarterback first before running. He might be putting running. Running Like, all of us who really run, I'm the best of all the ones who really run. And then he might be cutting a few guys out of that equation. I mean, you, you can't put them in the ball. Because the other guys
1: to. I do mean, it I, all. I do
3: love watching that guy play. He's a fantasy beast last year. They got him some weapons. I mean, the, the future in Chicago looks bright. It, 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 they, they're going to be very exciting to watch this season. I think when you talk about, like, the teams you power rank just in terms of watchability, the Bears' watchability metric is climbing, and it's climbing fast.
1: Attorney Parker Steiner addressed the lawsuit filed by a former Northwestern football player today when Steiner was on SportsCenter. Well,
2: as the head coach, he's responsible for anything under his program. And some of the individuals that we've spoken with have shared that collaboration as far as his involvement, his knowledge, maybe not his orders, but certainly him being aware of it and allowing that conduct in his locker room on his team within his program.
1: So the litigation was filed against Northwestern. I know the president of the university addressed it, acknowledged it. So they are getting hit with litigation. The firm... That filed the lawsuit expects to represent other former Northwestern athletes while a separate firm is representing 12 former football players in potential litigation against the university as well. There are multiple lawsuits going on now against Northwestern, Joe, in terms of football and in terms of baseball, because they fired their two head coaches within a one week span because of allegations that included hazing.
3: Yeah, this is a mess. And you know what? I agree It, it. It. Whether you knew or you're not, you're in charge. You're responsible. You're the leader, right? That's how it's going to come down. So this this is one of those stories that really caught me by surprise. I don't know about you. It just came out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it picked up all this steam and all the details came out, and you thought, man, here we go. You're going to have to clean that entire thing up, and you're going to have to move on from a lot of these coaches because they're the ones who are in charge. And if that's the culture that they are overseeing, whether they're aware of it or not, they are responsible for it.
1: Well, and one of the reasons that you have to move on from them is because of this, because the litigation is coming, because yeah. what they're going to allege now, these students, is that the school was negligent in allowing this hazing and these other allegations that have been presented now to exist during their time at the school and so they're going to sue the school they're going to sue the coaches they're going to sue the president of the school they're going to sue whatever parties they think are responsible for this that is going to include the head coach of each of your programs where those allegations exist this should not have come as a surprise to me or you because this investigation in terms of the football program was going on for six months before we found out about this story and before it became this media storm surrounding it, and before they ended up firing Fitzgerald. And we should have known about it a long time ago, but it was handled poorly, incredibly poorly by Northwestern. So poorly that they turned a, what, two week suspension, was it initially, into now a firing and now the litigation on the back end. Clearly, Northwestern did not initially take any of this seriously enough, or at least coming off of that report that they had once they did independently conclude that investigation. So we'll see where this story continues to go, but... uh Northwestern's not out from under it yet. That's for sure. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber. This is when we open up the phone lines to you. It's been a minute. Maybe you forgot, but we open up the phone lines to you. We love when you chime into the conversation. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Your hottest takes, anything we talked about today, bring them our way. Triple eight, say ESPN. That's next. This is ESPN radio.
0: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
1: This is crazy. Joe and Amber, we're on your radio here on Joe and Amber. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. This is the time of the show where we invite you to chime into the conversation. We love that you're doing that. Triple eight, say ESPN. Joe, real quick, I have to tell you something. Yes. I'm supposed to be giving this speech tomorrow, okay? Mm. And I'm giving this speech in front of this public relations chapter of my state right so a bunch of people who work in public relations that are part of this professional organization
3: great state of Florida
1: right great state of Florida and I knew this was coming obviously they asked me to be their guest speaker at this event but I didn't realize is what a big deal it was because I haven't been taking this thing that seriously I'm thinking okay you know I speak for a living I'll get up there I'm gonna speak I'll wing it it'll be good it'll be great right I get an email from them today do you have a presentation to send us Oh, like a PowerPoint? Yeah, like a PowerPoint. I'm like, presentation? No, I haven't even written my speech yet, right? You've got my nothing. My friend, I got nothing. Nothing. It is 9 p.m. at night. I ain't got nothing. This thing What is, time is
3: this thing at?
1: Uh, 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. I, I, okay. Oh,
3: you know what? I've got the answer for you. Uh, what is it? ChatGPT? You
1: sound like my husband. Everybody's going to AI now. No, I'm not having an AI. Okay. I'm not having... I'm sorry.
3: Is that worse than your current plan, which is nothing?
1: (laughs) Right. Well, so then here's the deal. I'm still thinking up to this point. I'm good. And then just now, during the last segment, one of my friends texts me. And her mom, because her mom still reads a newspaper. None of the rest of us are reading newspapers. But her mom had the newspaper from today... And the newspaper has a whole article about me and how I'm speaking at this event and how the tickets are 30 to 40 bucks a pop.
3: Boy, is there a lot of disappointment in store for the great state of Florida? Oh Have you? What goodness. are you going to do? Are you going to? Are you, are you, gonna, you planning I'm gonna, I'm on gonna doing get,
1: anything? I'm going to get off air with you in just a few minutes after we take these lovely phone calls for these callers lined up on the phone line, and I'm about to be writing a speech tonight. Is what oh, I'm be doing.
3: I would. love. Are they going to stream this live? Please <laughs> tell me this is going to be streamed live or not me, live. I'll watch the recording. I don't mind.
1: You sound like my husband. He's like, oh, I'm coming to this thing. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I, I'm going to need someone before. to
3: stream it. Oh, this is oh, great. Express mom
2: better send us a video is all I'm saying.
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, How long is this thing supposed to be? They haven't given me – so that's part of the thing. They
3: give oh, yeah, me right. No it's their direction. fault. Here comes Joel Embiid, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's everybody else's fault.
1: And you know what? I'm going to walk away from this thing the MVP just like that man. Let's get to Call a Roulette. <laughs>
2: 13 Black Odd. No
0: winner. Spin the wheel. Make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play Call a Roulette with Joe and Amber.
1: Spin it. Thomas. Thomas is calling us from St. Louis. Hey, Thomas, thanks for the call. Go ahead.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. All right, my hot
3: take. I think that we are all being deprived of seeing good running back play in the NFL. I think the NFL needs to allow teams to designate like three running backs that – they only count like 50% of their cap hit,
2: like their salary counts against their cap. So these guys can get paid, they can get back on the field, and we can see good football again.
1: Well, the thing is, Joe, I feel like we are seeing good football. I feel like that's the problem is I feel like the pool of running backs is so wildly talented that owners feel like part of the reason that they are disposable is that the next dude will be around the corner in the draft in five years after the first guy's up on his rookie deal.
3: I mean, B. John Robinson was just drafted in the top ten by the Atlanta Falcons. He should be a beast this year. But I've got no problems with the way they're playing football these days. I am entertained thoroughly from start to finish every Sunday, every Monday night, and every Thursday night. And I know a lot of people drive around and say, oh, Thursday night football is crap. What do you want? You want Will and Grace to come back? Huh? You want something like that? I am fine with Thursday night football because there's usually a college option on as well, and you can go back and forth between the two.
1: I don't know why you just took out Will and Grace, but okay, let's spin it.
3: First thing that came to mind.
1: <laughs> Our friend Terrence in Georgia. Hey, Terrence. It's been a long time. Yes, oh, hey.
2: it has. Welcome back. I mean, Amber, you, you're cheating on me. You're going to these day shows. I, <laughs> I can't take anymore. Uh, anyway, Joe, I feel your pain about this, about Philadelphia, about this. I'm like that with the Knicks, the, the Yankees, the Giants. They all – they. I don't know what the management is doing. They're, like, really stupid. But, you know. Well, Joe certainly did vent <laughs> –
1: Joe did certainly vent his frustration when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers. He is at the end of his rope uh, with the 76ers. I think that's the way to say. If you missed that, you can always check out the Joe and Amber podcast on the ESPN app. Let's spin it. Steve, Steve's in North Carolina. Hey, Steve, thanks for the call. What do you have?
2: Hey, Joe, and Amber. how y'all doing? We're great. Well, thank you. Yeah, listen, listen, I, I kind of disagree with a, a lot of stuff, will be honest with you. I'm OG, I'm old school football, and yes, pass-happy football is, is nice, but I know notice if you can't, if you ain't got a good quarterback, it's three, three plays in a cloud of dust, so I don't want to see that. You know, you got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Kansas City pretty good on passing. Things like that. It's a handful of teams that's decent, and yeah, it sells tickets. But when you get to the Super Bowl, if you can't sustain a running game, your season going to go from 5-7 and seven or 11-5, one of the two. It depends on if you can run the ball or not at all. I'm a Panther fan. We was we stink. But at last six <laughs> games of the season, all because of a running game, we actually look like a team.
1: I mean, yes, you obviously need to have running. Generally speaking, it's more of a passing league now. It's part of the conversation with the diminishment of the value of the running back, Joe. But obviously, you still need a running game.
3: Running the ball is important. No one's knocking the ability to run the ball and to run it effectively. You want to be able to run late in games when you have a lead to kill the clock. The problem is you don't necessarily need to pay $20 million a year to get that. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. Hell, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. They're in the AFC Championship game every year. Who's their star running back? The money is spent on guys like Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying it's right. It's just the reality of the business at this current juncture.
1: Um, The hell with the wheel. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and go to this caller. Yori is in San Antonio. Yori, we're up against it. You got like 20 seconds. Give it to us.
2: Props to Joe for climbing Mount Rainier. I've climbed Mount Fuji in Japan twice. Yeah,
1: that is pretty dope. Yeah,
3: thank you for the phone call, brother. I appreciate that. I mean, Brothers this, in arms.
1: It's weird. This the show has just become like yes, it, people now. Joe is part of some weird mountain climbing club now. Apparently. I know.
3: I'm like part of the mountain climbing brotherhood. I did not think this. I didn't even think about this. Like now, I I have entered a whole new. <laughs> Stratus, I'm going to need a new wardrobe and everything.
1: It's like when I used to have a jeep and I used to feel cool because other people who had (laughs) jeeps would wave at me. That's you now. (laughs) But you guys are waving on the top of mountains to each other. We are waving as well. We are waving goodbye. We will actually see you tomorrow.
0: This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.